Today on 15 Minutes With, we're talking to Jed Zalis from Accenture. Jed has years of experience working both in the European and Asian markets, and we talk to him about live commerce and how China is adopting it. We ask him what its potential is like for the Western market, what things businesses should consider before attempting it, and what businesses need to be able to implement it correctly. Jed, you've spent a bit of time in Asia during your time with Accenture. Are you able to tell us a little bit about the trends that you are seeing emerging from Asia with respect to social commerce and live commerce? I think what is happening in Asia, it's a little bit like people do have a perception, at least like, you know, many that I speak to have a bit of a perception still that, you know, China is still the posters from Shanghai of the 1940s, you know, is that the big, like beautiful buildings with their curly roofs as well. But that's really like farthest from from the truth, because right now it's closer to sci-fi movies that we watch when you're walking across Shanghai, or if you're even in Beijing or Hong Kong as well with the tall high rises, then you can be walking across the city and you will see a flying QR code above your head that has been created with uh, with the drones as well that you can take your phone and scan get taken to a website or to download a game or to see some sort of a features so really the technology is everywhere you could be sitting in their underground stations and going on a train and instead of looking out the window and seeing just a tunnel there is a screen that is giving you advertisements or telling some sort of a story as well so it's very much closer to science fiction than what a normal traditional perception might be where I think when it comes to a bit more in the, in our space, in the commerce space, in, this, uh, in, a, in social areas and in, in live commerce as well, we see businesses taking a completely different take on, uh, on solving that problem. Like traditionally in, in Europe and in, in the West as well, we have a very clear distinction between the video platforms, between the commerce platforms and social platforms. In China, it's not really the case. They kind of blur it all together and put it all into one, which is in turn creates a lot more complexity in order to achieve this successfully. But at the same time, it delivers that unified customer experiences that, uh, that customers get. And, and I see this really like, you know, becoming a predominant example. For example, there is a brewer called Snow Beer. And uh, these guys, uh, they, they were selling a lot of uh, a lot of beverages before COVID hit. And I think COVID was a very brilliant example, like, you know, how they dealt with and use social commerce and how it helped to accelerate. Uh, so in their case, they realized that, hold on a second, people are not going to the past. They're not going, uh, you know, they're not really socializing. How are we going to sustain our business and let alone improve it? But they actually sold over 400 million extra you know, beverages than they would normally do. And the way they've done it, they uh, they realized that essentially they got WeChat mini programs. So this is like, you know, to the to our Western audiences, WeChat is pretty much our Facebook, YouTube and other things combined. And they have these little mini programs that allows businesses to create their own unique representation of them but yet you are still within the same ecosystem of wechat and they created this mini program to enable and they called it a nano influencers because they realized when there was a um, limitation added during the covid you could only have 10 people or so meeting together. So all of the regular venues and campaigns that they've done in the past, it was really a little bit out the window and that's not gonna work. And they thought, but hold on a second, people are still meeting. They're meeting in a groups of 10. And I think like every single group has got a person that is that, you know, motivator, he organizes, he or she organizes, gets people together. And for them, it was very much of like, why, why don't we let these people do it? Like, you know, they wanna go out, they still wanna organize it. So let them, you know, be able to choose 
COVID safe places where they can invite their friends. They can order and pre-book drinks that is like going to be catering for 10 people. So that concept of nano-influencers commerce, which is part of the social commerce, was invented. And, and that just became a boom of snow beer, which was like for Super X brand initiative. So that all sounds amazing and certainly something that I would love to experience. But how do we pick up kind of what they're doing in Asia and bring it into the West, say the UK, into Europe without kind of having to reinvent the entire wheel and use what we already have? Kind of going to step back a little bit and think about, you know, in order to answer this question, I think the reason why it's happening, right, is like, you know, why social commerce is happening and how it's applicable for Europe as well, that the decision making power has shifted from brands to the consumers. That's the fundamental shift of why social commerce is coming into the picture. And instead of businesses focusing on their objectives, now what businesses have to do is start focusing on customer satisfaction. And I think that's one of the fundamental changes that is driving it. And in order for us to get there, and I think like, you know, the other reason being of why that is happening, businesses are starting to look to diversify their revenues. And the reason is that traditional ads no longer really work the same as they used to, especially with all of the GDPR policies being created, data privacy regulations as well that we keep on hearing about. And uh, the traditional methods of identifying your customers, making sure that the content is as personalized as it can be, is not as effective as it used to be. That's what we're seeing. But if you are staying within the same platform uh, and within the social platform, you kind of don't have to deal with that. The content is within it. You're letting the platform providers to sort these areas out for you. And in a way, you, you're positioning us like you know, one step closer. In addition to that, I think customers, their behavior is changing. You, know, you have the entire uh, Gen Z that is now coming of age and they have a buying power people are also looking for sustainability and and the products that are sustainable and finally 87 percent of consumers in in e-commerce shopping believe that social media helped them make shopping decisions like I, I see this personally when i speak to friends as well you know people complain about ads but i see many people are like i wouldn't know what is new out there if i didn't get advertised and i like personalized ads and like some people are completely okay that you know their data is being used to give them tailored experiences as well. So it's 87% of people that actually think that way uh, of the latest statistics. So there is a huge case in order to get to that point. But I think the problems we're trying to solve and like what we need to consider before we get to that is whether we have our business definition in place, what social commerce means to your business, really. Like, in a sense, it's a new channel. And usually the new channels, they're not adopted as fast as you would. It's not like it doesn't happen overnight. If you started, if you always be where brick and mortar becoming digital takes a lot of time. So you have to define what social commerce is giving to your business. I think that's a, the that's a number one step of recognizing the importance of it. And then it's really the value case, right? It's like, you know, what opportunity size is there from the social commerce? You know, what's my return of investment? Because it's not going to come in like overnight. You have to actually put some funds behind it and let it nurture it and let it grow until that happens. To let it grow and, and being nurtured, that is part of your go-to-market strategy as well. You know, how are you going to change your business model? Where are you going to sell? What exactly are you going to sell in order to activate your social commerce? And then finally, I would say is like another entity that comes in that is most 
most probably is not very intuitive immediately to existing businesses that are not doing social commerce. You have to have partners, you know, you have to have influencers or KOL, key opinion leaders in order to promote your brand. And like when it goes back to KOLs, it shows that five times the number of impressions and engagements are generated for every dollar spent on influencer market as compared to paid ads. So when it comes to influencers, it's a fundamental piece to get it right in order to get that scaling. Jed, that is really, really interesting. I love those stats because they are key business considerations when it comes to actually getting this started. And like you said, pulling those trends out of what we're seeing in Asia, not having to reinvent the wheel completely, but being able to apply it in other settings like in the UK. So aside from all of those points that you touched on, those considerations for getting started, like the business strategy, the plan of where you're actually going to get started with this in terms of platforms and in terms of influencers, are there any obvious markets that you think this is really best applied to you know i'm gonna be fair with this it's like if you're trying if you're thinking of selling something outside of apparel footwear beauty jewelry or cpg in general right i don't think it's an area it's a suitable area because think about your audiences and think about like you know who is using these platforms and how relevant it will be and your reach as well so my take on that is if you're in apparel footwear beauty jewelry or cpg social commerce is for you otherwise it, it still needs some time i guess to mature so fast moving consumer goods are really where it's at for social commerce and for live commerce and then just give it some time from there. And then we'll see other industries and other markets starting to adopt it potentially if it's suitable. Yeah, like, you know, that's that's would be my initial recommendation because these are tried and tested industries and we've seen them flourish when they attempted this approach. Other industries, we haven't seen so many success studies, but it doesn't mean that that's not the case. There are three different approaches to this. There is direct, you know, where, where you're actually going into the platform, such as Facebook, Instagram, right? And you start uploading your products and selling it. That's that's direct. Then there is affiliates. And affiliates is when I mentioned about the KOLs, they are advertising on your brand or actually unaffili uh, unaffiliated selling people just essentially like, you know, shouting and screaming about how great your product is. Then you see this demonstrated really well in Misho, AliExpress and Line Idol. And then the final one is the community. And the community is more of a peer-to-peer -peer platforms. You can achieve this in the Facebook marketplaces, but other better examples would be uh, like Groupon or DealShare in India. And, and I really like, there is a use case uh, of KFC where they use the community in in order to do the selling. So their approach was very much of a, in Chinese, customer is right, is usually translated almost customer is the boss. And KFC was thinking, you know, what if we actually make customer the boss? So again, they went to WeChat mini programs and they created an application that allowed you to sell your own chicken. So essentially it's for you to advertise to your friends, you get a commission and every purchase that is being made is essentially profiting you. So you are becoming almost like a reseller of KFC, but not technically, you know, people would go in back to KFC stores and pick up the chicken or get it delivered. But you becoming that kind of an owner of, of your own store and you're reselling it. And they created 2.5 million KFC pocket stores 
in just 120 days. So going back to your initial question of what is the potential of other industries stepping into this, that, you know, traditionally we would be thinking, so after considering these three approaches, right, there is about some of them, such as Facebook, right, where you're uploading your product and uh, you're allowing to, to see how it's happening. You don't need to spend too much investment into your other technologies to support it. It's kind of like a testing and planning and, and seeing whether it gets activated. And you do A-B testing with this. You see how people are reacting with this. Then you have to put like a, a breaking point that this is go or no go depending on your hypothesis. So you create, you use your scientific method, you create a hypothesis of what you want to achieve in the next two months, and you do this trial and error almost run uh, to see how well it's performing on the given platform. And if so, after two months, you should be starting to think about how is this going to integrate into the rest of your ecosystem. If you are new, to selling in general, if you've been in a brick and mortar store and haven't went digital, maybe that's it said, you just focus on that channel and you grow it. But if you already got an existing digital presence and e-commerce um, e store as well, then you might want to start considering how the orders captured are going into your order fulfillment process so you can scale and utilize the same operations that you have done used in the past from your digital presence and your store now serving the customers that are coming in from the social commerce channel as well. So hopefully this uh, this gives a little bit more context, uh, Shelley. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Jed. So you've given us a ton of information around kind of how to think about this and what you should be considering when you're implementing it and, you know, is it right for your business? Are there any other tips or insights or learnings that you've got for people that really genuinely want to consider social selling as a potential channel for them that kind of as a, you should probably think about this before you start? I think it's an important one to pick up. It's great when you think about new channels to reach your customers. And there's always like, you know, a profit that can be added. But at the same time, there is a risk of that. It could potentially could start cannibalizing your e-commerce website. The traffic from your e-commerce website that you have today might be diverted into the social uh, commerce traffic. And the core digital experience might differ as well, which is not always the bad thing. It's like, if you keep the customers in the same environment. Think about it sometimes when you think you forgot something in a different room and you go back to that room and you forget completely why you came to the room. That's almost like, you know, that's how human brain works a little bit is that, you know, when you change your environment, your brain kind of resets and it's like, okay, so something new must be happening and you forget what was the purpose of you to come coming back there. So there is a value of like actually keeping the customers on a single channel instead of like, you know, flipping them back and forth. And then you are building your social audiences and and there is a huge value in it. There is a new reach, like, you know, acquiring new customers is a lot harder than nurturing existing ones. However, social commerce is giving you that ability to reach out to completely new customers where you can continue focusing on nurturing your existing customers and your e-commerce and acquire the new customers from your social uh, channels. And I think, you know, finally, I just want to kind of add on to a few more points that people are starting to think in a different ways, like, you know, how it differs from your traditional traditional e-commerce websites and your social commerce. People traditionally has used to look for customer reviews in order to help them make a decision in order to buy it. But with social commerce, now it's customer reviews and influencer reviews as well. Then we go into a different co component of product comparisons, right? So people used to just use, like, you know, put them side by side and see which one is better. But now with social commerce, you might be actually relying on your friend's opinion on what they really think about it. Jed, thank you so, so much for your time today. 
all of the insights from what you've seen firsthand all the way through to what you would recommend for businesses and ultimately for the end user when it comes to social and live commerce. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, guys. It was really lovely being here. I hope that helps. Thanks. Yeah. And we yes. look forward to having you on again in the future. That was Jed Zalis from Accenture. Social commerce opens you up to new audiences, channels where they love to spend more of their time. And when used in conjunction with influencers and key opinion leaders, makes discovery of your products easier. It may not yet be for everyone, but for those that can, it's a new channel that, when well considered and implemented, can drive engagement and meet the changing needs of customers. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 15 Minutes With. We look forward to having you along on our next one. <laughs>